0: Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life, and I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times, and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights?
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Toward Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gregson, and um, I have a really unique interview tonight with Miss Corey Valdez. So one of my past guests, who I actually work with, Chelsea Waters, she was episode 25, um, shared just such an awesome story, and, and I've really enjoyed working with her. I've known her for a few years wonderful person and and very positive, optimistic, and just, you know, a great leader in in the business world that, that has a very bright future. And um, after we were done with the podcast, she said, I know somebody you need to talk to. And I said, tell me more, right? (laughs) Those are the magic words that that you want to hear when you, when you want, when you, when you're trying to find people that have incredible stories that have come to find light and delight, right? And she said, my mother-in-law, Corey Valdez has an incredible story and she's just such an amazing person. Um, and she told me about your heart and, and basically said, I, I feel like she's treated me so kindly and, and I feel loved by her. I just feel this, um, uh, this definitely unconditional love from you. And, um, if you'll remember Chelsea waters in episode 25, um, is, is a lesbian and, and, and your daughter obviously is married to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that's not, that's not an easy thing. It, it is for them because they're authentic and they, they know who they are. I and mean, I'm, I'm very proud of them for that. Uh, but that's not an easy thing with, with society. It's not an easy thing. And, and, and she immediately talked about how you made her feel so loved and, mm-hmm. Just part of the family right off the bat, and and then she went on to ex- just explain a teeny teeny bit of your story, and then Corey, as you and I have connected and uh, we've we've chatted a little bit, and, and I've heard more of your story. I went, holy cow, you have been through a lot. Um, so anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to introduce you to Corey Valdez. She's from Salt Lake City, uh, lives here currently now, and um, has an eight-year-old son, Jake. Who mm-hmm. apparently is just a rock star, uh stud of an eight-year-old.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um Corey, introduce yes. yourself. Take it
2: away. Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, I am Corey. I'm 47. Um, I I live in Salt Lake City. Um, I actually am, I'm married, and together we have five children. So we have Haley is our oldest and she's mine. She's 27. Then we have Tyson, who is Rob's and he's 21. And then we have Kinley. She's mine and she's 18. And then we have Mackenzie and she is 14, almost 15. And she's Rob's. And then we have Jake together and he is eight. Yep. Also, I want to touch base about Chelsea real quick because, you know, she said all those really nice things about me, but I think it's very important everybody knows that she is the most amazing woman. And I could not have handpicked someone better for my daughter. I, I even tell my other children, you know what? Go out and find your Chelsea because <laughs> if you find someone who can support you and love you and say, Hey, who do you, what do you want to do? And I'll support you and help you. And she has just helped Haley in so many ways. So She's amazing. I'm the
1: lucky one. And she's great. I know that that Chelsea would say the same thing about Haley, right? I mean, that's, she mentioned her podcast. Like when you find that love that everybody believes in, it's, it's an empowering love and it's a selfless love. And and you want to take care of the other person and do whatever you can to, to not only become the best you can, but also help the other person live up to their dreams and what they want and and, you know it's not it's never perfect we always have our growing pains and all those things but those two are great examples of just loving each other in that way so well said
2: thank you So. so any so back to who i am so i've been married now for almost 10 years and um we've really created a beautiful life together and it's been amazing we'll start in 2006 and this is the where i feel that my life took a turning point and it was an awful turning point so i was married at the time and i had Haley. Um, i was a single mom with Haley until she was seven years old and then i met louie and we got married and then we had kinley And so, um, Kinley was four at the time and Haley was 12 and, um, my husband Louie took me to a church parking lot and he beat me up really, really bad for over two hours. And by the time I was found, um, they ended up having to lifelike me and, um, I had, surgeries and I had to get lung surgery done and it was a very very traumatic um, awful time in my life. Not only did I experience an awful beating, but I also watched what I thought my life was made of fall apart. Um, everything that we had built as a couple was destroyed and it was, so much for me. Um, I wasn't able to reconnect to who I was before I found comfort in drugs in, um, and I found myself addicted to opiates and the more opiates I was using, the more distant and unconnected, disconnected from who I was before I became. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't find myself being a good mother. I couldn't even picture myself giving them the emotional support that they needed because I didn't know how to give myself support at the time. I just found support in drugs. And so, um, you know, after lying and, you know, making terrible choices and, Telling my daughters I was going to be somewhere and not being there, and watching their heart break over and over and over again. I decided enough is enough, and I um, decided to relinquish my rights as a parent to both of my girls. I, um, Haley, went with her dad, and Kinley went with my dad and my stepmom. And I went off to destroy who I was by using drugs. Um, I created a whole new life, just focused around drugs. I didn't contact my family. I didn't, they didn't know if I was alive or dead. They they would see that I would get arrested, you know, but then I would just get a, sent right back out into the streets and start all over again. I really never thought that I would ever live a day in my life without being high. The thought of apologizing to my daughters or to my family was so crushing and that I I would have rather died than to turn around and say I'm sorry to anybody. I could not figure out how I would even do that. And so for three years, I um, ran the streets. I did whatever I had to to survive, and I was arrested multiple times. And then the last time I was arrested, I was standing out in the middle of the streets, and I had handcuffs on. And there were these two plainclothes officers standing in front of me, and they were kind of facing each other but facing me. And one of them looked up at me and he just shook his head a little bit, like a little slight shake, you know, and he could have been shaking his head because of the rain or because of what he had for lunch. But I I took it as, what have you done? Why have you done this to your life? And at that one moment, I felt something. I felt some kind of hope. Just, Just a little tiny bit. And I said to myself, I feel that, I know that's in there and I deserve more. And so I went to court and you know they were just gonna release me back out into the streets. And I asked my lawyer, I said, I want help. And so she told the judge and the judge looked at me and said, I'll give you one chance. And I said, that's all I need. And so I went to the house of hope It's a treatment center for women and children. It's an amazing, amazing program. I walked into that place and I told them, just teach me how to live again. And they did more than that. They got me into trauma therapy. You know, I went through some really intense trauma therapy for the abuse and the beating and then everything else. And then, um, And through the House of Hope, I learned how to survive. I learned the tools I needed to stay clean, to rebuild my life. I mean, by any means, it was not easy. I I put in a lot of hard work. And on top of that, my family would not talk to me. I, I went through the whole treatment center without any contact with any of my family members when i got out of treatment um my mother finally answered one of my letters and i was able to develop a really good relationship with her and i met my husband and but haley and kinley and my dad and stepmom and my brothers would not talk to me and It was an extremely sad time for me. I had, you know, a boyfriend who was willing to support me. And I had a mom who was willing to support me. And I hung on to that. You know, I hung on to their love and their support. And little by little, my husband and I were able to rebuild a family and rebuild a home, and, you know, and we're here 10 years later, and it's been, I mean, we've had some terrible, awful times, and we've had some amazing good times, (laughs) and, you know, and I've survived, and I've lived, and, you know, I've made the very best of my life that I can, that I could at that exact time, you know and you know i keep saying that i learned how to survive and i was surviving because i i honestly believe that that's what i was doing you know um i a really deep something that i have ha- had to overcome is not having my dad and kinley in my life let me explain something so I didn't see Haley for seven years. Sure. So I, you know, I used drugs for three years. I got clean in 2009. I graduated from the House of Hope in 2010. I got married in 2011. I had Jake in 2012. And my mom died in 2013. Oh, I'm sorry. So, you know, it was a lot in five years. And in those, those years, I, or four years, I, you know, I've tried multiple times to reach out to Haley. I would write her letters. I would write her letters and not send them. I still have them. And one day I'll give them to her. Um, you know, I continuously reached out to my dad. I've called my dad. I think I've called my dad every month for 10 years. And he has not returned my phone call one time. You know, Uh, and and that's hard, Yeah. you know, but when my mom was passing away, I called up Haley's dad and I said, I stayed in contact with him. He's always been a really big supporter of mine. I called him up and I said, you know, my mom's really sick and she's going to pass away. And I think Haley should know. And he said, okay, let me talk to her and I'll call you back. So he talked to her and she's 18 at the time you know, and he talked to her and she said, he called me back and he said, she's coming to the hospital. So mind you, my daughter, who I haven't seen for seven years is coming to the place I'm at, you know, and I said to him, well, do you want me, does she want me to leave? Because I respect that, you know, I've never tried to force myself back into anybody's life. I've always said, I am here. If you're ready, come to me. You know, um, I I didn't want to be that person, like knocking on doors and let me see my daughter. You know, I I wanted it to be where we both wanted it. And so, you know, she she's coming to the hospital, and Brandon says, "No, you can stay there." and I'm like okay you know so i'm laying i'm i'm standing there in my mom's hospital room and she's hooked up to life support but she's aware of what's going on and in walks haley and you know i i didn't know what it was going to feel like and I just knew as soon as she looked at me, I just said, Come here, you know. And here we are, you know. Oh, that is awesome. So that's, and since that day, we have built a relationship that is so strong and so respected from both of our ends. I respect her. I mean, she has taught me the art of forgiveness. I left her when she was 12 years old. That's a crucial time in a young girl's life. And she was able to look at me. And I was able to talk to her. And she listened. And she has been... I have learned what forgiveness is from my daughter. You know? And her story is amazing. Amazing. And so that, you know that we still celebrate that day as our anniversary that's and it so means cool. more to us than any other day in the year because that's our day you know that's awesome
0: mm-hmm.
1: I love that man awesome. I'll tell you what so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a couple questions as you're yeah. continuing to go because I know the Sorry. story's not over yet we'll go on no, no, no 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 <laughs> this, is, this is awesome and holy cow Corey in a in a, in a, I mean, we're not done yet. At this point, when you and Haley are back together, what year is this again? So this
2: was in 2013.
1: Okay, so at that point, it had been seven years, mm-hmm. right? um Can can we before we keep going because there's more to the story? I know that. Can can we go back to kind of the beginning in that 2006 time? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Um. So, so you, I mean, you're married, abuse in a church parking lot for two hours. Um, mm-hmm. did you, did you have like any, it was that, was the relationship abusive up to that point? Did you have any indication that this was actually going to happen?
2: No, no. Oh. And yeah, I mean, his defense was a drug induced psychosis. So that kind of explains that end but however that doesn't you know just Justify because they it. can put a name on it and call it something doesn't mean it's going to be like oh well then that makes sense yeah you know? yeah so. so
1: I mean obviously there's some disconnect discord there with you and your husband at the time but you had no idea it was going go to go the extreme was you were on life support
2: no I was like oh, your life
1: you're flighted. flighted that's right mm-hmm. so you so you you're there for about two hours Mm. You found your husband, then your husband did not call uh, the ambulance. Somebody mm. else did. I'm assuming. Yeah. Is that right?
2: So um, a, a father, two fathers and their three sons went to the church to play basketball at seven o'clock in the morning. Sure. One son found, looked out the window when he went to get a drink of water and ran and told his dad. And I remember, I remember hearing, do you need help? But I I couldn't talk, and sure. at the time, you know, he just dismissed me and ran to get in the truck. And they did whatever they did. They fought, and you know, they called the cops, and they came and got me. So
1: yeah, yeah, wow. So and then you were life flighted to the hospital, and when you were at the hospital, now now tell me, like, extent of the injuries. Did you, did you have some brain injuries? What no. what happened?
2: No, um, I, my face was just completely, um, yeah. Oh, I mean, I had, it, it was terrible. And then, um, he had broken, I think it was six ribs. Ah. And I had aspirated so much blood that the blood got caught in my lung because I wasn't able to spit it up because of my lung or my ribs. So it sat in my lung and got infected. And mm. by the time it was my lung was completely full of infection, and they had to take my lung out and fix it and clean it up and then put it back in. And no then I kidding. was hooked to a pump for like two weeks, just pumping infection out of me.
1: No so, kidding, man! And so, and and thanks for sharing. I know that's hard. Um, it, yeah, it's, hard go, it's okay, it's hard to go, hard to go back to that stuff, especially. 'Cause you mentioned several times the trauma that you've been through. Mm-hmm. So so thank you for putting some context around that. Cause I think that's I think it's important, right? So I mean right. you, you go through this and then and then I mean after this moment in your life, you really start to go down a pretty dark path and, and understandably so. I yeah. I mean at that point after going through something like that that that's kind of when you, when you're in a marriage and you have daughters or children that's where your value is right you put your value in, in your family and, and your husband and that relationship and and what is what is there and and when that's taken from you in the kind of way that it was from you uh not just taken but ripped out of your hands and and with force which is whew, how do you how do you have value after that? Right. I mean, yeah. talk to me about your self-worth as you get out of the hospital. Like, like where were you at personally after like as you were trying to move forward with life and put it back together?
2: Oh man. Oh, you know, it's it's almost like I haven't been able to determine what those feelings were. I mean, I've put so much work into so much of that time. I still struggle with how to describe that feeling of just, oh, it it just like sucks the air, the life. It's out of you. I could not, I could not find that, connection. I and I keep saying that too, because I honestly feel that I was so disconnected and I had thrown up so many walls to protect what I thought was going to be exposed or taken, or I don't know. Yeah. It's such a complex feeling. I think that Maybe if I really sat in it, I could figure it out, but there's, it's just a nothing feeling. You
1: don't, you don't need to sit in that feeling. Yeah. I mean, mean, I'm, I'm so glad. And I'm I'm excited to talk to you about some of the things you learned at House of Hope, because obviously that was a very crucial, important time for your life. But before we get there, help me understand, was it, was it a feeling of, anger um did did you feel like it was in some way your fault yes you were there did you yeah. oh yeah so, oh yeah so you know so was it it, a shame was it a shameful feeling like in some oh, way like it was all you I'm yes. not good enough I didn't do it yeah.
2: right um I literally thought that I remember sitting at this great big table one time and it was pretty recent after, you know, it had happened and I was still looking deformed sure. um, and I went to this meeting that was consistent of child protective service and, you know, DAs and you know, social workers. And I mean, we're talking a whole table full of people And I come walking in with my dad and they can't help but look and then look away, you know, because I mean, my hair, oh it it was, I was a mess Mm -hmm. and um, I had told the story so many times to so many people Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and I sat down and they said, tell the story tell us what happened from the very beginning to the end and i remember so i again n- not having therapy yet not having talked to anybody i'm talking to these strangers who are just you know writing down you know looking at me showing no showing no compassion they're yeah. just they're there to do a job
1: to check a box and move forward they have yeah. to judge. They have to judge you to see whether you're a fit parent, right? Yes. Oh, I can only imagine how that felt. Oh,
2: it was terrible, and so, you know, and there was there was a time during when I was being beaten that I hmm. was trying to call nine one one, but I was only hitting send, and it was calling my house phone, and so, and then it was a recording of him doing what he was doing to me at my house. And I had turned this over to the police and, um, they had brought that recording to this.
1: Oh, so you had to listen to
2: it. Yes. Again, you know, and, and then, and then they started saying things like, well, you know, you said this happened before this happened this time. And I was like, wait, you know, I, just, I spent two hours getting beaten. I don't know the order that it happened in. I'm sorry. But instead of saying that, I just felt smaller and smaller yeah. and smaller, yeah. you know, and I felt, and, and then, you know, that the whole, like, well, we better, you know, what happened is well, we better, you know, give temporary custody of your girls over to their father, your father and Haley's father just you know until we can get you stable and we can get you better you know and so then I had to do that and that that hurt you know just that even not giving me a chance just it was gone and that was only temporary
1: that's hard I so your your ex-husband went to prison correct I mean this yes he went to prison there yeah, you know, I I think back to those people, the DAs, the um, child protective services. I think back to them, and and I think, gosh, you know, you can't you can't blame them. They're there to do a job, mm-hmm. but with that said, there there's just no opportunity for you to receive compassion in that meeting either, because all they're trying to do is go through their sheets and check the boxes of does this is this how it happened. What was the feeling? What went, what really happened so that we can take it to the state and you guys, we got to cover all our bases, right? So at no point you're feeling any compassion from anybody or, 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 or love. So, so I'm curious after this experience, was there a place you could go where you felt like you felt loved and you felt arms wrapped around you like it was safe for you? No. No. Mm
2: -mm.
1: So even, even home. Mm -mm.
2: No, because they moved, they moved me out of my, the house that we lived in. And I moved in with my dad and, um, you know, they'd never been through anything like this either. They didn't know how to deal with it. Um, you know, I'm sure they had expectations on how I was supposed to bounce back. And I wasn't, I wasn't.
1: To be in a in a situation and, and again, not to not to point the finger at anybody because when you don't really try and understand where someone's been or really talk and listen, um that must have been a really lonely place for you. Mm-hmm. Um I can only imagine the shame that you must have felt like you were not good enough and and the fact that you know you felt like you needed to bounce back immediately from this thing that that almost ended your life from somebody that you loved and obviously mm-hmm. there you know some disconnect before that but you still you know there's still love there um and and you you mentioned expectations and that is that is defeating as well if you feel like there's expectations for you to overcome this thing um really quickly and you're not able to and and you're you're starting to feel hopeless you're starting to feel so alone and unloved Corey, I can only imagine how you felt and, and, and gosh, that was a tough spot to even have like any self-worth or self-value for yourself.
2: You um, know, they had, they had actually told me like, Hey, here, here, go see this therapist, call this therapist and make an appointment and go see him. I could not even think of telling a stranger again, what I had been through. I could not do it no trauma
1: -hmm. trauma is so overwhelming for anybody and to go through it facing it on your own now without obviously your husband's gone but without your daughters too Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you didn't have that opportunity um wow that alone must have been the word that defined that time for you just feeling feelings of being alone right
2: and you know, feeling alone and then also saying, I deserve to be alone. I want to be alone. I don't want to have anybody. No, you know, it was just shut down.
1: Shut down mode.
2: Yeah. And
1: the, and the PTSD. So, so we understand PTSD a lot more than we did um, even back in 2006, right? Right. There's a, there's a lot more talk about mental health and PTSD and what trauma can do to you. And when you go through something like that it's not just trauma it's PTSD and subconsciously your mind it trigger there's things that will trigger you all the time and and so i, I you know I, I escaping those moments not wanting to talk about it again cuz all it does is bring up triggers 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 there's a lot of fear there and you don't have a safe place you don't really have a safe place to go to so yeah. so what do you do um, well at that point you you turn to drugs
2: i left yeah
1: you I left said, and "You
2: turn to drugs." Absolutely, I said, "You know, the Corey who is a mom, the Corey who was a wife, the Corey who was a daughter, a sister, you know, all these things has been. She died when that happened, um, and I went okay. and made a life. Amazing. That is very
1: interesting. How you just explained that all these identifying words that that give us value,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a mother." A daughter, a sister, a friend—you had to—you had to give all of those up. You couldn't have those titles anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That I—I I, I can't imagine because those titles are so important to our identity, to our our self worth, to our value system, and you had to basically take those clean slate, walk away, and there was. It was you, it was you by yourself in this big, huge universe, having to go figure it out after you had been broken and left Mm -hmm. traumatized. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So, so, so let's kind of go down that road a minute. So as you start to, as you leave, as you leave your dad's house, did you live on the streets right away?
2: Well, I went down and I spent some time down on the like Jordan Parkway, Yeah, Um, found some people who you know knew I was going through some withdrawals, opiate withdrawals. They had heroin, you know, formed a whole new friendship and a whole new love with heroin, and that lasted for eight months. And then I literally got off of heroin with crack, okay. And I went to jail the first time being a crack addict, and then I found meth addicts in jail. So the first time I got out of jail, I called up my friends from jail and said, well, Hey, where are you at? So I did, um, the last two years, pretty, pretty much just meth. I, I, once I stopped heroin, I never went back because I knew if I did heroin again, it would kill me. Yeah. So, you know, I, it was, it was, uh, it was maybe my backup plan to, you know, if, I got tired of being a drug addict I don't know
1: yeah. so if, if life needed to end or something right yeah. like it is it is an escape route if you will exactly um yeah. the the go the fire comes in destroys the building we always have a we have always have a fire route we have to we yeah. follow right yeah always. yeah I'm, I'm with you so so we we talk about how sometimes we get in these downward spirals right and and yeah they they literally are downward spirals. The thing that I, like, I'm looking at you, Corey, and your story, and I'm just feeling like, what else could you have done? You, you, you were, you had your hand, your, your life ripped out of your hands. You were left for dead in a church parking lot. You had your daughters taken away from you. And you left your, your home without any identity or any other identifying factors in your life, really nobody was reaching for you at that point in your life. Mm
2: -mm.
1: You, you had no hope, like, like you're just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. You're the downward spiral for you. Really, you were just in survival mode. And, and, and and we're going to get to the end of the story. And and I'm going to say, you know what? You are a survivor. Holy cow. You're a survivor. And congratulations. Thank you. Wow. That's amazing. But, but, but going back to that moment right there. So, so you, you go to jail, um, you're addicted to drugs at this point. How long did that last for you? Three years, three years. Mm -hmm. And then that's, and then that's when you went into house of hope, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was that, was that a decision that was made? It was made just, between you and a judge when you were there in the court. Right.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you said, Hey, I need help. I can't go back out there. My life is going to, I'm either going to die or you got to give me a chance here. And and obviously you were saying to the judge, I can't afford this. So like the state, I need the state to step in here and help me out. Yeah. 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 So now house of hope is that's in Salt Lake, correct? It is. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've heard, I've heard about house of hope and I've heard
2: good things. Tell me, tell me about that experience. Let's go there for a bit. Gosh, I really loved my time at House of Hope. You know, I I joke about it now because I think, man, it would be amazing if all of us just could take nine months out of our life and do nothing but focus on ourselves, you know, and make ourselves a better person, learn all these tools, learn how to communicate again, learn how to live with our emotions, you know. It, it, I really, really enjoyed. It. I took what they said. I listened to all the women that I was in there with and I took their stories and I just absorbed it, man. I, I said, I am going to make this happen, you know, and I didn't know what this was. Yeah. All I knew is that every day I was showing up, I was putting in the work. I wasn't, I was staying as positive as i possibly could and i made it you know i made it out i made it into society i found my my own little family and friends and you know i've made this life for myself i my husband i can't even explain you know he has been such a rock i mean he has literally picked me up off the ground when i was crying for haley you know just thinking she was never going to talk to me again yeah. and and that's another low point you know building a life when you know you have daughters they're being not part of it like i had to find hope and light in who i was becoming and i did that by telling myself if she shows up today, I want her to be proud of who I am, and I lived that way for years. You know? Did did that
1: become? I, I was I was actually just thinking, in, when you're talking about House of Hope, I'm like, okay. So you talk about how you go in there and you're like ready. You're like a sponge. You're you're mm-hmm. ready. You're you're absorbing everything that all these people are saying. Not just the counselors, but people that are starting to overcome their addictions, right? You're listening to them and you're hearing all these new things. Wow. And So to really go and engage like that, you, you were on purpose about it. Like you yeah. went and you were on purpose. So, so at that point, so, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, I've been reading this book by Viktor Frankl, a man's search for meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Guy survived the Holocaust, um, amazing book. I think most people know that book. He has another book too. that's called say yes to life in spite of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and he says something in there that I find very fascinating. He says, sometimes we, we think like, we just need to make the goal happiness. Like we just want to achieve happiness. And, and he says, you can't really do that. You can't just say like in your brain, I'm going to go be happy today Mm -hmm. and then go choose to be happy. But he says, what you've got to do first is you've got to have purpose. And if you'll have purpose in your life and you'll live according to that purpose that you really truly desire, that's when happiness comes, mm-hmm. right? So it's like all of a sudden you go into the house of hope, you are on purpose, and all of a sudden there's a little bit of light here. What what would you say your purpose was at this time?
2: Hmm. Let's see. You know, my purpose was to give myself a chance at becoming who I was supposed to be. That was my purpose.
1: So you felt at this time, you you didn't know yourself at this time anymore.
2: No, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. I had no idea. I mean, honestly, do we ever really know who we are? (laughs) I'm like, last week I thought that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I've grown so much since then but yeah i mean i think that it was so i had to keep it simple because if i looked at these huge goals that i had you know like having thanksgiving dinner with my whole family and we're all happy you know if i looked at that it was it was too much like yeah, I crushing do. so but i did know i i had myself and if If I walked out of the House of Hope and I was alone, which is exactly what happened, then I was going to make that happen. I was going to keep doing it for myself. That's awesome. It was extremely hard going through all of that treatment and trauma therapy without having a mom or a dad or a brother to call. However, I'm grateful. Because yeah. I really had to find myself. I had to find some kind of love for myself in order to do it for myself. So yeah. there wasn't someone at the finish line saying, make it here and we will be here, you know? Yeah. There, yep. I had to walk to that finish line and be like, I high five myself, you know? Yeah. Yep. So, and that's that's something that when you're new in recovery. You have to do every day. Yeah. And then when you stop having people say, I'm so proud of you for being sober, you learn how to do it again for yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Guys, I just want to give you a big hug right now, Corey. <laughs> um, Bring I'm it in. Just, yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I just interviewed um, a, a good friend of mine that I've known for a long time. His name is Rob Searstein. And uh, he shares an, an amazing story of overcoming a lot of things, um, different different things than than yours, um, but a lot of there's there's some similarities too. But it's amazing how we kind of go through, even though they're different in our actions, the things that we kind of go go through to mend and get us through dark times. That really the emotions are very similar. And he said something that really stood out to me, and you you just basically said the same thing. You know, he said before I really understood my why or my purpose, I had to know who I was. I had to, I had to understand myself. I had to discover myself. And I think that is very true about us sometimes is we don't really take the time to give our, give ourselves a chance to really shine through who we are. Um,
0: we
1: don't, we don't, we don't connect with our authentic self. Mm -hmm. And, and so we take some of these whys that all these, you know, motivational, inspirational or just great people. They have all these whys, right? Like my why is my family. My why is my God. My why is this, that, or the other. And they sound awesome. And so we're like, okay, I really like that person. They had a why that was this. Yeah. Maybe that's what I want. And I'll just adop- I'll adopt that one. But when we don't really know who we are, yes. it's it's not, it's not it, that why doesn't sound. That purpose right. doesn't stick. It doesn't so,
2: feel
1: good. Yes. It's it's not it's it's not it doesn't it's not in harmony with our spirit. Right. It right?
2: doesn't like, sit in with you. Yeah.
1: Yes. And and that and so it only lasts for so long. We in mm-hmm. in 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 the church side I got to the, the religion LDS, uh, Church of Jesus Christ, of the Latter Saints, we call it living on borrowed light, if you will. Like oh. when kids grow up and and if their parents have testimonies of God, they know God lives because of whatever experience. It, a kid can only go for so long living on their fa- on their parents' testimony before mm-hmm. that testimony really gets tested, mm-hmm. and and the, and when that testimony gets tested, it's easy to lose if it if it, if you haven't gained your own. So, kind of comparing mm-hmm. that to finding our why, you can only live on someone else's borrowed why for so long, right? You've right. got to find your authentic purpose and your authentic why. And when you do and you connect with that, then it sings and your soul fills that. And so wow. you all of a sudden, I, I look, I look at man, Corey, I, I look at you and I'm like, first of all, you are a survivor. And, and then, and then as your story continues on, I'm, I'm like, holy cow, all that stuff led you to this opportunity for you to find your why, find your purpose now there's light and love back in your life
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're reconnected with your daughter in a, in an incredible way. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of awesome things that have happened because of this, but, but let's, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. I want to keep going here. So you, you finish up. How long were you at house of hope?
2: Okay. So I graduated from inpatient in 9 months and then I was in outpatient for 3 months. So I did a total of 1 year, which is well, pretty fast for the house yeah, of hope.
1: Totally. So I mean that shows right there that like you you went ready. You went mm-hmm. ready. What would you say that you learned what, what did house of hope give you that really benefited your life?
2: Well, they learned they taught me how to trust others, you know, to trust giving who I am to others, Um, you know, to be able to allow someone to love me, um, you know, because that was a big thing, you know, and that took my husband a lot of patience, you know, he, he, he was very patient with me because I was like, whoa, whoa, like. No, you know,
1: put me back down the floor and let me cry,
2: right? Yes, yes, you know, yeah. and he just had so much patience with me and so much support. Um what was there a question again? Sorry. so, so if you can
1: maybe, so that's awesome. I mean, that really gives me what I asked. So so what did House of Hope give you oh, that's right. um when you left, right? So like maybe a couple tools that you put in okay. your toolkit or whatever. So, try. I mean, you say you say trust and letting yourself be loved. That's major, That is for you with what you went through.
2: Well, and it it was such a fine line too, because you know, secretly, that voice that nobody talks about. Yes, you you know that voice. Yeah, inner voice. That where it's almost hard to admit that that's going on inside you. You know, I was living this life where I was so like, man, so grateful for this life that I had with my husband, his children, and Jake, you know, I had this whole life going on. And my daughters were over here, you know, and so I lived this life of being grateful, but then also not feeling worthy, you know, because they weren't, you know, my family wouldn't talk to me. No, I just felt like, I really was a piece of crap that these people Mm -hmm. really weren't loving me. And, you know, I just, I followed that line for so long, like where I go from feeling so unworthy and like, why would Haley ever come back into my life? Why would Kinley ever give me the chance of day? Why would she come back? You know, because I don't deserve it, you know? And by my dad, not, Reconnect, you know, reuniting with me, it just continued and continued. And for years, Mike, I would play this fantasizing game with myself where it would be like out mowing my lawn. And I would pretend my dad would pull up and he'd be like, Hi, well, I'm finally here to reunite with you. And I I love love you. you. Yeah. You know, and I'd live in this fantasy as I was mowing the lawn. I did it all the time when I was mowing the lawn. And when the lawnmower turned off, the fantasy was gone. And God. then I lived in reality and my reality wasn't with my dad. You know, okay. my mom's dead. My dad won't talk to me. So I was uh, secretly doing negative self talk to myself all the time and living and, in a fantasy that I wanted you, to happen.
1: So you weren't, you weren't really sharing this with your husband at the time.
2: No, because
1: you you love. I mean, you were grateful for this relationship and this mm-hmm. family. and You didn't want to destroy that. You've got a history of destruction in your wake, and it's not necessarily your fault. But there's there's just this. It's there. This, yeah, it's there. And and I'll I mean, if,
2: if my dad wanted to list all of the things that I did wrong, it would be a lot. You know, and if he chooses to not have me in his life because of those reasons. Okay, you know, I've come to the point where it's very sad that my dad and my brother and my stepmom, and even Kinley at this point, they hate someone who isn't doesn't exist. That person isn't me anymore. They're missing out on who I have become. The love I've given Haley, the love I give to everybody in my life, they they choose to hate someone who doesn't exist anymore. And that's sad. That's very sad. And I have to accept it.
1: Yeah, it's hard. That going back to that um, <clears throat> kind of that moment that you're in right there where you're 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 talking about the voice, right? Mm-hmm. There's this voice of gratitude. And you know what's funny about the voice of gratitude? It's soft.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It is Powerful, but it is soft. It is quiet. It is peaceful, and it is warming. And then you've got this other damn voice that is so <gasps> dang loud. It screams wow. at you. It yells at you. It's that inner voice. And it well, and that soft.
2: inner voice really sinks in, and then your body absorbs it. You know, yes. and so your mind plays this game where it's like trying to convince your body and your heart and everything that it's happy and everything's great. And don't you worry, you know, brain overworking all the time, you know, and I just, there's no peace. There's no peace. peace. There's no peace at all. And it's just a constant battle. You pretend you're this way. You feel this way. You
1: know, are you, are you able to stay away from the drugs at this point in your life?
2: Yes, I am 11 years clean. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause man, when that, when that
1: voice gets loud, like in the past, I know for you, when that voice starts to get loud, the first thing you want to do is you want to go get that, get rid of that voice. Yeah. So you you go to a substance that allows you to feel a certain way, or at least numb out the, the feelings of thinking that way. So the inner voice goes away. That's a, I, I guess a lot of people that, that's a lot of, a lot of the reason um, behind why addicts are the way they are, that people don't understand who've never been an addict. That, that inner voice of shame, and it's it's a dark voice, that inner voice is so loud sometimes in our minds and our hearts that we we just want it to go away. And so we go to those substances because for a short time and and a lot of us know it's a short time and for a short time it's a quick way it's an easy fix yes it's a shortcut but it's an easy way for us to get rid of that voice for a while and and the problem is though is over time all it does is make that voice louder and darker Mm -hmm. and harder but but we don't we don't know that and and we all just want so badly to fill loved and feel appreciated and feel heard if you will like somebody out there cares and and so you you find this you're you stay off the drugs that voice is still there mm-hmm. um and what happens from there
2: okay so you're you're talking about that that inner voice and that dark times and then you go and you use to well what happens if you don't have substance like that's not a choice for me i'm not going to go use substance because I still have gratitude for this, you know, and I'm not going to destroy this. I've done it once, not doing it again. But what do I do with that inner voice? Me personally, I just kept listening and shoving, listening Mm. and shoving and pretending and pretending, oh, you feel this way about this situation? So do I, because I don't know what's going on inside me. And so for 10 years you know i survived i i allowed that dark inner voice to be the strongest communicator to me Mm -hmm. and my brain and my heart and my soul and i continued to take everybody else's emotions and pretend that they were mine until it stopped Mm -hmm. you know until my brain said look i can't I can't keep going. I can't keep trying to tell your heart that it's full of love and that you feel love and that you're receiving love and that you're, you know, giving anything out to anybody. I'm done. My brain stopped. Mm. And I had a breakdown. I, I call it a breakdown. Um, you know, I I stopped feeling. I stopped feeling any anything and I knew that it was time so it was time for me to get real and that that was you know I I when that happened and when my brain said I can't keep going I can't keep going you either need to find your soul and bring it back or we're out of here and um You know, I, it happened one night when my brain stopped and then the next morning I woke up, my husband was gone to work and I picked my son up and I put him on the couch. I kissed him. I said, I love you. I patted my dogs on the head and I left and I took, you know, I took a bunch of pills from my house and I don't necessarily know if I wanted to end my life. But I wanted, I wanted to stop being who I was. Yeah. I wanted to stop not being who I was supposed to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I gave my fate. I just said, I'm, I'm giving it over. I'm just, let's, I can't do this anymore. And through the grace of God, I was able to be found. And um, when I woke up in the hospital, you know, and it sunk into what I had done, what I had done to my family, what I had done to Haley. Like, I had not only left her when she was 12 years old, but now I was going to leave her again. You know, how could I do this to my husband, my kid, you know, Tyson, Lexi, Chelsea, everyone? because they all came together to support me. So I started simple and I said I want to know what happened in my brain. What didn't connect? I know I'm loved. I know I have support. Why didn't it mean anything? And I found my therapist that helped me through my trauma and I she has Just been amazing. And she's let me find myself. I mean, it started so simple. Like, I just wanted to know what happened in my brain. And instead, I found out what happened in my soul. I found out what happened in my mind. I found out what happened in my body. And now I have connection with my mind, my body, and my soul. I love that. Yeah. That's powerful. So important. So, if there yes. are, you know, your listeners out there that can relate to any of that, then it's time. It's time to really just sit down and say, I know I'm in there. You know, you have your own soul. You have your own feelings. All you've got to do is just find
1: that connection. I a, amen to that. Um I so a couple things on this and okay. then and then and then we'll, we'll ask some questions here and okay. and wrap and wrap it up. This has been phenomenal. And so you, you said something about um how you had this major breakdown.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, it's, what's very interesting is you had to get to that breakdown
2: Mm -hmm.
1: before you had the breakthrough, Mm -hmm. Yes. right? Like you, you have broken through and would you say you're on the other side now?
2: Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, I mean, it has not been easy. And I am telling you like, I'm sitting here smiling and laughing and giggling like, oh, ah, you know, but honestly, <laughs> there has been some really deep, dark times where I'm like, okay, it's time to be really real with myself. You know, yeah. I lived by saying, as long as I know my truth, then I'm going to make it through this. And that's how it started too, you know, what is my truth? How do I feel about this? And it's been hard because I've had to learn how to find my voice. You know, someone says that they don't like something. I I, I can allow that to happen and then say, oh, but I like it. Or, you yeah. know, the opposite. I, And it feels so good. Like, holy cow, just yeah. to be able to have my own feelings and express yeah. them. Yes. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um you've talked you you mentioned a word um that as you were sharing too, you said I had to surrender.
2: Oh, I love that word.
1: Yeah, right. So explain that to me. Cause I think a lot of us put up those barriers and those walls. Mm-hmm. We can't let people in because we don't want them to see what we've created. And so mm-hmm. we try and do this facade of pretend mm-hmm. falsehoods, right? But yeah. then when we surrender. Like we've got to, we've got to be transparent and we've got to say, this is who I am. This sort what I'm created. I'm surrendering. So, so yeah. explain that to me in that moment.
2: Right. Okay. So, and it, I use surrender so much throughout my life now. Um, so when I surrendered, I just said to myself, like, I, I have always had this. Um, I've always said this. Oh, I learned this in the house of hope as a matter of fact, and I've lived okay. by it. Um, that I am exactly where I am supposed to be. So, and for some reason, those one those words bring me so much. I get grounded. I get reconnected. Like, you know what? Right. My soul would never let me be in this spot if I wasn't supposed to be. And so when I surrendered that day, that morning, I just said, look, I'm going to let this go. And I'm just going to let it happen. And it was scary and it was terrifying. And it was ultimately probably the most relaxed I've felt in a long, long time because I gave myself over to allow what's going to happen to happen. I have to have faith in myself because I have been put in situations where I shouldn't have survived. Numerous times, you know, the beating, the um, drug use, you know, the, the breakdown, those things. I'm here for a reason. And so when I surrendered, I said, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And that is why I'm here now. I am here now talking to you because this is giving me some juice. It feels good, you know, and that's maybe what my soul needs.
1: Yeah, well, I, you've got a powerful story to share, and there are so many people that um don't ever get their breakthrough. Mm-hmm. They break. We have our breakdowns, but we don't ever get our breakthrough. And addicts are not. Yeah, everybody, I know. Everybody goes through this in a different way, right? Um, it's th- th- this life is a classroom. We are not gonna make it through perfect perfectly unscathed. Like it doesn't happen for anybody. And and so and so providing ourselves a little bit of mercy and grace and understanding is so important why we're here on this earth. And and when you have that breakthrough, when you do surrender, you know, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in the great light, whatever it is what you'll see is when you surrender things move and they start to come back to you. Right. right? So Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you go and you surrender and what happens? Your family all shows up for you. Mm -hmm. Haley, Chelsea, all these people, your husband, all these people come and show up for you. And it becomes this thing of hope and healing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I'm absolutely sure of this, that you guys are now closer than you were (sighs) even before
2: oh my goodness i mean the what it has done to the whole family it's shown us all that hey we have to we have to stay together and you know and haley and i our family you know on my side we only have each other there's nobody else but haley and i we have my my husband's family and they have taken us and they have shown us What the foundation of a family should be. I mean, it's messy on top and it's great, you know, and stuff, but that foundation is solid, you know. And so after I had this breakdown, I was so worried about that foundation because this foundation that I grew up on dissolved, you know, it's not there. So I was so worried about what the what was going to happen to this foundation.
1: You thought it would would crumble.
2: Oh, I thought it would crumble. I was waiting. I was just like, Oh, Oh, you know? And then it was almost like I could see them making our foundation stronger. So when I was ready to join them, it was there. Your team
1: showed up. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a resounding thing that I hear in so many people's stories of going through their dark times, coming to light is people show up. As soon as you give in and as soon as you let go, you start start letting people know where you're at. And and that's what you did.
2: Well, yeah. I just told them, I said, you know, they they asked me straight up, what happened? You know, why did this happen? And I had to tell them, I don't know yet. You know, all I can do is tell you is I'm going to find out. (laughs) And I had no idea. Because with me becoming more aware of who I am, it's making them become more aware of who they are.
1: And isn't that isn't that the beautiful thing about these experiences that we have that take us through our hardest moments is it provides, we learn, we grow, we, we yeah. understand compassion to like a whole new level. And now not only you, but those around you who are, have shown up with love for you as they, as they understand you more and have more empathy for you and grow in their compassion, they now can branch out and help other people in their circles to really like be in safer places if they're struggling themselves. And and in all reality, that, that piece that, that I keep mentioning of compassion, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: if we can show up for people with compassion, it not only changes that person's life, it changes our heart. We learn more. We we grow both of us from that experience and then we take it out and it's like a ripple effect and yes. it keeps going. Yes. But if if we're full of judgment and we're full of expectation and someone not living up to expectation and and then there's bitterness and there's there's a little bit of anger and it, and it stops everything. It oh, damns yeah. everything. The water can't flow anymore. Right. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. No. What an awesome story. Um, Okay, so I want to ask you, um, I've got a couple more questions for you. Uh, First one is the one that I ask everybody in my podcast. What did the darkest moments of your life give to you?
2: Well, I will tell you in the most simplest form I can, and that would be, it has shown me how extreme the light will
1: be made that light much brighter
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: there's a quote that i love by richard evans that says it is often in the darkest skies that we see the brightest stars <laughs>
2: isn't it true though amen
1: yeah. You, yeah. we we've we've got to experience both ends right and we do yeah
0: and
2: you it know? makes
1: that light so much more brighter and we want it so much more oh,
2: yeah i will fight yeah. i will fight to maintain what I feel inside, I will fight, you know, I will sit in my dark moments, which I do have, but I sit in a space of acceptance and gratitude that it's my own feeling, not someone else's and that I'm able to just be it and then learn, know that when I get out of it, I'm going to feel so good, you know, I, that's the way I have balanced that out because you, you're going to have them, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You
1: let you, you let yourself go through the feeling. Yeah. You give yourself a day. Like it, it's, it's not going to last forever. Right. Yeah. You give yourself permission. Surrender. That, that yes. Surrender. I I love that. So the gift that was given to you in the darkness is, to, is the brightness of the light. And then, just that passion, desire to make sure you go grab it, hold on to it, and maintain it in your life. Yes, I I had this question come to me earlier, but do you love yourself, Corey?
2: Oh man, yes, I really do. I I do, and 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 you know, it's I love every part of my past. I have compassion for who I was the choices I made, the decisions I made. I I have compassion for that person. I love her. I love who I am. I love who I'm going to be. You know, I, I, I have really become so centered and just complete, enjoyment and become learning who I am you know and I can only imagine like I'm so excited to know who I'm going to be tomorrow and you know who who couldn't you cannot love yourself if you're excited about who you're going to be tomorrow
1: yeah um I've I've got a couple more thoughts I want to add at the very end but is there anything else that you want to say
2: no You know, I just, I am so grateful for the podcast and for the opportunity to share this again. I mean, it has brought me so much inner strength again to remember what I've been through and how I've overcome these things and that I will be able to overcome anything else, you know, just take it, accept it and move with it, you know.
1: You are, you are an amazing person. And um the ability that you will have to help others now
0: mm-hmm.
1: is, is very, very real. I mean, the, the world that we live in now, you, you see, you see so many struggling. I mean, there's mm-hmm. addictions insane, right? Whether it's a substance abuse, whether it's pornography, whether it's, whatever it is. I mean, people are just getting beat down by addictions and, and we want to overcome feelings of shame because we have these expectations for ourselves or someone else does. We don't live up to them or whatever. And it's hard and and oh. all of us go through our dark moments. Right. And, and Corey, I, I invite you continue to share your story. You know, I, I as you do you'll always be holding yourself accountable. You'll be building your, your support network because Mm -hmm. other people will then say, Oh, that's who she is. She's amazing. And they, they kind of look to you and you know, they're going to hold you accountable as well. But as you, as you continue to share your story and and let it go, so much more light comes back to you Mm -hmm. as you already know. And um, there are people that need to hear your voice because you love yourself. When yes. that was something that like, you didn't know how to do that for such a long time and you didn't yeah. feel any hope and you felt love. I asked you, was there a place you could go where someone wrapped their, would, would wrap their arms around you with love? And you said, no, I mean, yeah. to go from that to now knowing you've got them right there connected <laughs> to your own body, right? But yeah. you've got a family and there's that foundation. And, you know, I'll tell you, um, I love you. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you so much for sharing this with me you're an incredible person and your, your ability to now see others in their dark spots and offer them compassion will be so important. And oh, yeah. That, that value you cannot buy with money.
2: Yeah.
1: You, that worth that you have because of that is priceless. It, yeah. Never, never forget that about yourself, you know? Yeah. And I know, you, uh-huh. I know you know that now, right? Not I know now. You know The world will never put a price tag on that for you, but in a, in a spiritual sense, that's everything. And, and I had, I have just kind of more on a personal note. I just had a couple things I wanted to say to you as we were going. I had two thoughts come to my mind. Number one, um, I know you lost your mom Mm -hmm. before a lot of this stuff happened. I know your mom's watching over you. Mm -hmm. And I know she's proud. I know she's proud of you. I hope you feel that. I do. And the second is, I know God loves you. And I know that there's been moments where that darkness has been so hard that you felt no value, you felt no worth. But sometimes we go through these things so that we can have. Understanding and really, really, so that there is no question in us going forward of wanting and desiring that light and mm-hmm. wanting to help and serve other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, Corey, you have the ability to do that in ways that many of us will never understand because of where you've been. And, uh, your Heavenly Father is very proud of you for what you've done. You're an mm-hmm. amazing person.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It means so much to me because I know that it's coming from such a personal spot from you, like a deep spot. And I I feel that love.
1: I really do. Thank you. Well, that's awesome. You're the best. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for sharing your story.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at delight at gmail.com.